0: K-A-L-W. It's a really difficult job. Obviously, homelessness is arguably the number one crisis in Oakland. Oakland is having a difficult time
1: keeping administrators for their
0: department on homelessness. People are living in really horrible conditions, and the city can't seem to figure out what to do. Now the search is
1: on for another person to lead the department. Then we visit a place for
2: women to heal and work it. We've been told that you shouldn't shake that or move that or embrace that part of yourself. Like, we've been told, like, that's nasty. Plus, we hear poems from local writers.
3: It's a book of poems which respond to family expectations, labels, and the difficulty of
1: motherhood. Today, we're in the East Bay. I'm Hannah Baba, and this is CrossCurrents. The city of Oakland created a Department on Homelessness three years ago. It was seen as a response to a growing problem. Since the department was created, two administrators have been hired. The first one resigned and the second one was let go. Now the search is on for the third administrator and stability at the top. KELW's news editor Sunni Khalid spoke with reporter Marisa Kendall with the San Jose Mercury News about the turmoil in Oakland's Department on Homelessness and their struggle to come up with solutions on the streets.
4: The Department of Homelessness was started in 2000. So far, we've had two directors, neither of whom have lasted a year, and we're on an interim director who served before. In your reporting, why are we having so much turnover at the top of this department, and why are we having turmoil inside the department as well?
0: I think it's a really difficult job, and it's a very thankless job. Obviously, homelessness is arguably the number one crisis in Oakland. We see the numbers and the counts just rising year over year. We have these massive homeless encampments where people are living in really horrible conditions, and the city can't seem to figure out what to do and and how to help these people. There just aren't nearly enough resources. And so you have people come in and take this job and... The programs that they put in place don't seem to make much of a dent. And then I think the other thing that weighs on people in these roles is you're, you're really in a no-win situation because on one side, you're going to have housed people in Oakland complaining about the encampments and demanding that you do something. Um, A lot of those people want the encampments just gone and cleared away and they're very upset and then on the other side you have activists and unhoused people living in the encampments who say the city is too punitive it's betraying people's human rights these sweeps are unjust and in Oakland you have what's real a really interesting level of activism that i haven't seen in San Jose or San Francisco in the homeless communities you know when when the city tries to sweep an encampment in Oakland the residents and protesters show up with riot shields and they prevent it and it can get very volatile. And I think that can be a a difficult thing to navigate.
4: Well, what kind of resources and tools does a homeless administrator have? And were you able to speak with Mr. Cooper after he left? Because I I know you've spoken with Daryl Dunstan, What tools do they have and what are the frustrations that they tell you about trying to uh, carry out a thankless job?
0: Yeah, so they have different policy tools. Oakland has its encampment policy, which was just passed in the past several years and was fairly controversial and basically lays out where people can and can't camp um, and declares certain areas off limits, like areas around residential homes and businesses camps that block the right-of-way, camps near homeless shelters. But it's really difficult to enforce those policies without the resources. And time and time again, people at the top, and including Latonda Simmons, who's now our homelessness administrator, have told me, we just don't have the resources to enforce that policy. They can't clear encampments unless they have shelter beds to offer everyone they don't have enough shelter beds, so they can't offer everyone in these camps a place. And not only that, they don't even have enough city workers to conduct the clearing of these encampments. So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's a really tough situation to be in.
4: Can you solve homelessness without affordable housing?
0: Absolutely not. You know, there are a lot of issues that come up when talking about homelessness and people often talk about mental health and drug and alcohol abuse. And of course, those are all factors. But experts, by and large, will tell you homelessness is number one, a housing problem. If you had enough affordable housing, that is the answer to homelessness. That is the solution. And you can't even really begin to treat someone's mental illness or addiction unless they have stable housing.
4: Let's go back to the problem that we're having with the homelessness administrator. We got two directors who lasted less than a year each, where the interim director is now interim director for the second time. Have they given you a timeline? Has the city of Oakland given you a timeline when they expect to have another permanent homeless administrator in the job?
0: They have not. They just said they would move quickly to fill this, quote-unquote, important role. Last time, it took them a year to find somebody new.
4: It took them a year, and then Mr. Cooper was gone within a year. Exactly. Do we know anything about the circumstances, the murky circumstances around his departure? Because I know that he was placed on leave before his employment was terminated. Have you been able to find anything in your reporting about the reasons why he was terminated.
0: You're right when you call it murky. The city, all they said was he was placed on leave. And then a couple of weeks later, he was, quote unquote, released from his employment. And they claimed because it was a personnel matter, they were not going to give any more details. So we'll see. You know, we have a public records request in. The city is notoriously very slow at responding to those. And Mr. Cooper has not responded to any of my requests for comments since then. So, yeah, I'm very curious what happened there
4: let's bring it up to date right now we had the point in time count we could not do it in 2021 because of the pandemic shutdown we did it early last year there are 5 there are at least 5000 homeless people in Oakland every night that is an increase a sizable increase of about 25% is Oakland losing ground in its attempt to eliminate or reduce homelessness
0: that's a great question. City and county officials will tell you if it weren't for all of the work they were doing, that increase would have been even greater. I think in the last point in time count, it was greater. It was more like 50%, but it, it it's not great. I and mean, when you just look at the streets, you know it's not great. I think too, the pandemic definitely played a big role because the city basically stopped clearing encampments during the COVID pandemic, the encampments got massive and very entrenched. And there were just a lot more, you know, makeshift shacks and entrenched structures. So the camps were just much bigger and more visible than people were used to seeing. And I think you're still seeing the remnants of that. And, you know, the city is getting more resources. The county just got 15 million from HUD and Oakland's getting some of that to try to help People living in its tiny homes get housing, they're opening more tiny homes, they have some hotels they're converting to housing through another state program. So they're doing these things, they're increasing resources, but it's just never enough. And experts will tell you, we need you know, significantly more money and more investments to scale up some of these programs that we've started for it to really make a dent.
4: Could we see a more aggressive approach to solving the homelessness situation in Oakland with the new mayor? Because Shang Tao, the new mayor on the campaign trail, always talked about the fact that she once was homeless, that she was living out of her car with a young son and couch surfing with friends. She's only been in office for about a month. Do you see any indication that she intends to be more aggressive in the city's efforts to find a solution?
0: She does have that background. She has said it's a priority. If she's going to be aggressive, I think it'll be coming at it from more of a place of compassion. You could be aggressive in two ways, right? You could be aggressive in really being a champion for resources and, and getting more pathways to housing for people. Or you could be aggressive in the sense that you are being really aggressive in clearing encampments and just getting getting people, getting encampments gone and getting people out of the line of sight. Oakland's big thing for homelessness right now, their big push is these tiny homes that they've set up. They have several tiny home communities for unhoused people, and they're supposed to be temporary, and people are supposed to stay in them for a couple months, and from there transition to permanent housing, but they don't work very well. People do not go on to permanent housing most of the time, and I wonder if she will look at that and try to make that program better.
1: That was Marisa Kendall. She reports on Bay Area homelessness for the San Jose Mercury News. She spoke with KLW News Editor Sunni Khalid. You're listening to Cross Currents from KALW News. I'm Hanat Baba. March is Women's History Month, and our next segments celebrate stories by and about women. First, we'll hear a poem from El Cerrito's very first poet laureate, Ma Shane Wynn.
5: I stand perfectly still in the classroom corner. Wearing a paper dunce cap while balancing on one leg. A memory, knocking a pitcher of water off the countertop just to watch it shatter. Tonight, I hear fireworks outside, crackling the stillness inside. A thought, the story of a girl who had tumbled into a cave Crawled her way out, alive and quiet. I wear a red cloak to the 4th of July picnic. I stand still aside a pine tree. Three drops of sap land on my cheek. Focus my eye on a cave swallow until the fireworks end.
1: That was Ma Shane Nguyen reading her poem, Still. She was El Cerrito's Poet Laureate from 2016 to 2018. This is CrossCurrents. I'm Hena Baba. Some women seek out quiet places to reflect and heal, but others have found a different kind of safe place to feel empowered. A place to process, relax, let go, and have a good time. KELW's Aliyah Renee Yates found that magical place in the Groove Studios in downtown Oakland.
6: When you walk into a dance class, what do you expect? Leotards? straight lines, maybe some ballet shoes. Well, this class is different. There's an altar by the door, decked out with brightly colored scarves, incense, and a West African fertility statue. I see a circle of women in the middle of the room, most of them wearing booty shorts and knee pads, and the smell of sages in the air.
2: Okay, so we're gonna go around, we're gonna do name. How do you guys uh, practice healing or, like, empowering yourself? Can we do that?
6: That's Brianna Powell, but everyone calls her Breezy. She teaches a class with her sister.
2: Hi, y'all, and I'm an Aquarius Spices Cusp. I'm a Scorpio. My moon is a Libra. Self-care. I give myself a yoni steam. Lately, I've been
1: reading and knitting a
2: lot. Weed, number one. Um, sisterhood, number two. Drink wine and masturbate. <laughs>
6: Pretty quickly, this room full of mostly strangers feels more like a family gathering. You almost forget that this is a dance studio. But these women came to dance. To be specific, they came to twerk. Welcome to Free the Cheeks. I
4: wanna slim five, come on with some twerk with all.
6: You heard me, I said twerk. I'm talking bag pops, pee pops, walking the dog, slow wines, fast wines, all in all, shaking that ass. So how did this class come to be?
2: The idea started originally from Breezy. That's Bobby Knowles, co-founder and Breezy's sister. We were both teaching at a dance studio in downtown Oakland, and Breezy ended up teaching a twerk class there. And it was very fitness-based. And it was, like, only an hour, and then the class was very, like, superficial and surface level. They
6: wanted to add more elements to the class that would make it more meaningful. A place not just for dance, but a space where people could talk and vent. Something specifically for women of color.
2: Because a lot of times I think we just kind of go through the world, and we're not really heard, and a lot of stuff deal with on our own. I think a big part of it is really just giving people space to feel safe in sharing that. So Breezy quit that fitness gig and found
6: space to rent at In The Groove Studios. Bobby followed soon after, and now, almost three years later, they teach a two-hour class every Saturday. And the name of the new class? It was inspired by Breezy's students from her old class.
2: It was like after people got off of work, they were like control the parts of their bodies that needed to be free in order to twerk. So I was like, listen, you can't control the cheeks, you gotta free the cheeks. And just like that,
6: they had a name, Free the Cheeks, Twerk Church.
2: From there, you drop the chest down, those hands go out, bust it open, baby. Come on up the legs. Rub on that ass, okay? Push back, head comes around, two, three, four. The Chloral again, okay, for four. Nice booty, Crystal. Crystal
6: Williams has been freeing her cheeks for almost two years. That makes her what Breezy and Bobby like to call a vintage booty.
2: I found out actually from Breezy and Bobby's mom, Ton. She, we were in this group together and she was like, you should come take my daughter's twerk class. I keep coming because we've built a sisterhood. It's therapeutic for me. And I get to express myself in ways that I don't typically get to express myself. I was raised to temper myself not speak up all the time. I get to do that here.
6: Breezy and Bobby recognize that this is the reality for a lot of the women in the class. That whether they're shaking their
2: ass or not, women's sexuality is constantly being policed. We've been told, like, that you shouldn't shake that or move that or embrace that part of yourself. Like, we've been told, like, that's nasty. And that's why they made this space for women. And women only. The class is specifically for women because we've been, we haven't felt like we could express our sensuality. You know, we've been violated before. You know, other women include have been raped, stalked. It's to come together and celebrate that we are not our trauma and we can still find beauty in parts of us that we were told were ugly or like disgusting or filthy.
6: But because the world ain't necessarily ready for all this, they've had to hire a security guard to keep the space from being disturbed. And to tell the lucky lose to keep it pushing. Now, this class could be a lot, especially if you were just coming here to shake a little something. It's already been going on for two hours and thirty minutes, but it isn't over yet. As an ongoing tradition, the class ends the same way it begins in a circle.
2: We end with a twerk circle to kind of close off the energy and get you guys set to be out the door. Um, Everybody's going to get a turn to go. You're going to freestyle, do whatever you want in the circle. This is your dance. One more time. Thank you so much for coming in, being receptive, being open, and leaving it
6: before the ladies leave, the sisters lead them in one final chant.
2: Alright, y'all! Read the Church!
6: As I'm packing up, I notice that most women stay to go over moves and share information on potential jobs or just where they got their nails done. I see a lot of bonds being formed. These women need a space like this. Hell, I need a space like this. I say my goodbyes and take one last deep breath of sage filled air. It's time to head back into the world. But don't worry, Breezy and Bobby, I'll see you next Saturday. In Oakland, I'm Aaliyah Renee Yates from Cross Currents.
1: That story was reported in 2019. The next Free the Cheeks class will be held in Richmond on March 11th. Alia worked on this story as a fellow in our Audio Academy training program, and a lot of journalists have come through our training programs. And if you want to be one of them, we're accepting applications until March 12th for our summer journalism training program. Find all the info at KELW.org slash summer <laughs> You're listening to Cross Currents from KALW News. I'm Hannah Baba. next, a reflection on the pressures of motherhood. It's an episode from KLW's literary podcast, New Arrivals, a pocket-sized book tour with Bay Area authors. Lafayette author Leticia del Toro reads from her book, All We Are Told Not to Touch.
3: It's a book of poems which respond to family expectations, labels, and really the difficulty of motherhood. It has a lot of bilingual texture. Here is a poem called Just Outside the Gate. You can breathe a cumbia that someone else is bumping. It's a summons for your sway, your loose, ambling saunter. Que callejera está? Mom hisses because you're a girl who hangs outside. ¿Qué andas haciendo en la calle? Dejándote mirar? My gaze at strangers when they gaze back is much too forward. Es que también me gusta mirar. But I'm not just talking about men. I love the kids running wild on the sidewalk, in and out of each other's houses, improvising canchas on a not so busy street, singing to Rihanna on a warehouse pallet, rigging a swing to a regal tree. I love the viejitos talking about who they seen at La Pulga. I love the seven-year-old's choreo magic.
1: That was Leticia del Toro reading from her book, All We Are Told Not to Touch. It came out in January. New Arrivals is produced by Lisa Morehouse. Tune into Cross Currents tomorrow morning at 11. We'll hear about the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus creating Disney magic. And being able to do the show now is a really, I think, important way to draw the community together. Disney Pride tomorrow morning at 11. And before we leave you, here's some local music. This is San Francisco artist Wanda Watt. She'll be playing in her city at Bottom of the Hill on Thursday. Today's Cross Currents team includes Mary Catherine O'Connor, Wendy Reyes, Kyrie Nashim, James Rowlands, Ghanady Joe Johnson, Victor Tense, Shireen Adil, Marissa Ortega-Welch, Sunni Khaled, and Ben Trefni. Our opening theme music is by the John Santos Quintet, as interpreted by Daoud Anthony. For Cross Currents, I'm Hannah Baba.
7: Yeah. You-